Today's scripture reading comes from the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses one through nine. Hear the gospel. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them to the top of a very high mountain. He was transformed in front of them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. Peter reacted to all of this by saying to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you want, I'll make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. A voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I dearly love. I am very pleased with him. Listen to him. Hearing this, the disciples fell on their faces, filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anybody about the vision until the human one is raised from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, in today's scripture reading, you spoke to your people from a bright cloud. Speak to us through your word today that we may hear you calling us and leading us. We open our ears and minds to listen to you. It's in the name of Christ we pray, amen. Two weeks ago today, I was in the Holy Land and I was one of 360 people connected to the Florida United Methodist Church who traveled to the Holy Land as a pilgrimage group. That's a lot of people. And while we were there, we had incredible opportunities to travel around to various places in Israel and Palestine and to see places that we read about in scripture come alive before our very eyes. We had the opportunity to go uh, to the Temple Mount and to sit on what are known as the teaching steps. And Bishop Carter, Bishop of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church, he spoke to our group of 300 plus people on those steps while we could look out and see the city of Jerusalem. We remembered our baptisms in the Jordan River. We visited a lot of churches and prayed in those spaces and sang together. We went to one of the sites where they think it was where Jesus um, was placed in a tomb, the garden tomb, and where they discovered that he is risen. And uh, we were in that place and we celebrated communion together. And in going around to all these places in the Holy Land, I was taking a lot of pictures. And one of the things that I was most excited about was being able to come back to you and to share some of these photos. That while we're talking about some of these places we read about in scripture, we could have a visual image of what it might look like. You see, I'm a Florida native. And when I read scripture, my idea of hills and rocks are very different from someone who lives in a place where there are real hills and rocks, if you get my drift. And so it was great to be able to be in a different place and to see 
uh, Jerusalem and to see the Sea of Galilee. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. It's the Sunday before the season of Lent begins. And when I was looking at the preaching schedule and saw that I was preaching on this day, I was excited about it. But then I was like, oh man. You see, in the scripture passage, it doesn't tell us exactly where Jesus was when he went up on that mountain with his disciples. You see, I was looking for a very, I was wanting a specific place that I could show you. And unfortunately, we have today just some high mountain. But let's take a moment and just spend some time in the Gospel of Matthew. You see, in Matthew chapter 16, it tells us that Jesus and his disciples are in Caesarea Philippi, which is this area north of the Sea of Galilee. It's north in Israel, almost to the border of modern-day Lebanon and Syria. And so that's where Jesus and his disciples were. And then in Matthew 18, it tells us that Jesus and his disciples had returned to the region of Galilee, and they were in Capernaum, a city where they spent a lot of time teaching and healing and being with people. And so chapter 17 is in the middle and tells us six days later. So about a six days journey from up north in Caesarea Philippi would be someplace between Caesarea Philippi at Capernaum. And it might look like a hill like this, a seemingly nondescript hill where Jesus and his disciples, they go up on top of the mountain. And while they are up there, Jesus is transformed, he's transfigured. His face shone bright like the sun and his clothes became blinding white. His metamorphosis is reminiscent of Moses, when Moses went up on top of the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. And sure enough, after Jesus' figure changes, Moses and Elijah appear and begin talking to Jesus. Moses, if you remember, is the receiver of the law. And Elijah is a significant prophet. Jesus, the incarnate word, the one who fulfills the law and the prophets meets with Moses and Elijah. And the disciples, Peter, James, and John, they are witnesses of this supernatural event, this vision, and they get a chance to eavesdrop on the conversation happening among Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Friends, you have to love Peter. Instead of being still and taking in this miraculous moment, Peter jumps right in there and says, Jesus, it's good for us to be here. It's good for me to be here. And I guess it's good for James and John. Okay, Peter. And then Peter has an idea, a great idea. He says, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to build three structures. I'm going to build three booths, three shrines, if you will, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, but only if you want it, Jesus. And surely you want this booth, you want this structure. You see, Peter wants to give these spiritual leaders a home, a permanent earthly address where Peter knows where they live. Peter knows where they're located. And so Peter can go and visit them at any time. 
And maybe some other folks could go there too. Perhaps these structures could be houses of worship where people can come to pray and receive the law and hear a prophetic word. But while Peter is still speaking, a bright cloud overshadows them on the mountain. God speaks from the cloud and says, this is my son whom I dearly love. I am very pleased with him. Listen to him. God interrupts Peter. In the tradition of God speaking to Moses through a cloud, God speaks to Peter, James, and John. But in these words, God does not rebuke Peter. He doesn't say, be quiet. He doesn't say, that's a dumb idea. God does reveal to these disciples the identity of Jesus as God's beloved son. The only command or instruction that God gives to these disciples is to listen. Listen to Jesus. When the disciples, they hear this voice of God, they fall on their faces in reverence and awe. The voice fades away, the cloud dissipates. Jesus goes over to his disciples, touches them, and says, get up. They listen to Jesus. They get up and they see that it's only Jesus there with them. Jesus says, don't be afraid. The party of four descends the mountain. And on their journey down the mountain, Jesus says, don't tell anyone about what you just saw or experienced until after he is raised from the dead. Be silent about what just happened. This passage of scripture is called the transfiguration of Jesus. The words that God spoke to Peter and to the disciples, identifying Jesus as the beloved son of God, are the same words that God spoke to Jesus at his baptism. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, a dove descended and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And it's unclear if that message was just heard by Jesus or if it was heard by John the Baptist and the other folks that were there at the river. But we know that that baptism moment, it inaugurated, it kicked off Jesus's earthly ministry. In the same way, this transfiguration moment, this identification as Jesus, as God's beloved son, it kicks off a new mission for Jesus. The mission to Jerusalem, to the events of Holy Week, to the crucifixion and the resurrection. Confirmation of identity precedes new mission. Churches all around the world are, are reading the same scripture passage today. And I wonder, what does this passage have to speak to us today? Friends, you and I are a lot like Peter. We're not always very humble or grateful. We sometimes take divine blessings for granted. Instead of saying thank you, for being in the presence of a blessing 
to experience or see something profound, we often jump right in and tell people what we think needs to be done. We're bold and we're impetuous. We seek certainty and permanence, especially in a world that is so quickly changing around us. We try to build structures or boxes for Jesus to fit into and to remain where we put Jesus. We are convinced that we are right and that our ideas are the best. And often we don't take the time to reflect, to be still and to consider what God may be showing us or speaking to us. Friends, we do not listen to God and we do not listen to other people. And friends, it strikes me How can we be effective in our mission if we don't listen to our own God, to our identity, if we don't listen to one another? Listening is easy to say and so very hard to do. You could say that we were created to be listeners As Zeno of Citium and other Greek philosophers have observed, we have two ears and only one mouth. So we should listen more than we say. Peter needed this instruction to listen to Jesus. Listening to God is a spiritual discipline that is essential to prayer. We listen to God as we spend time with God in prayer and seek to hear God's voice. We listen so that we may know God and be known by God. We listen so that we can be reminded of who God is and who we are in relation to God. Beloved children of God. Listening to God, it transforms us. It tunes our ears to hear God. We have just finished a 40-day emphasis on prayer. And as we enter into the 40-day season of Lent, I urge you, do not stop listening to God. Although the sermon series on prayer is over, prayer does not stop. It does not cease. Take time each and every day to be still and know God, to listen to God, to allow God's voice to shape you your identity and your purpose in the world. But I wonder if maybe Peter also needed the reminder to listen to other people. Listening is a specific way to love. To listen, it's an intentional act. We have to work at it. It doesn't just come naturally. We fail and we try again. When we listen to others, we convey that we care, that we're interested in other people for who they are, for their experiences, their stories. Henry Nouwen describes listening in this way. Listening is much more than allowing another to talk while waiting for a chance to respond. How many of us do that? 
Someone's talking to you and you're already formulating your response in your head before they finish speaking. Now one says, listening is much more than allowing another to talk while waiting for a chance to respond. Listening is paying full attention to others and welcoming them into our very beings. The beauty of listening is that those who are listened to start feeling accepted, start taking their words more seriously and discovering their own true selves. Listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which you invite strangers to become friends, to get to know their inner selves more fully, and even to dare to be silent with you. To listen is to love. Love is not coercive and neither is listening. Brene Brown, social worker, professor, writer, and speaker offers this wisdom. Listen to understand, not about agreeing or disagreeing. We have to listen to understand in the same way we want to be understood. We're told that we are to love others as we love ourselves, right? Perhaps God is calling us to listen to others, to seek to understand others, to love others as we would want to be listened to, understood, and loved. In John 21, Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection, and he has a conversation with Peter. You know, the same Peter who wanted to build the three structures on top of the hill, the same Peter who denies Jesus three times, and in this conversation, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus instructs Peter to feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. In that interaction, Jesus forgives Peter restores their relationship, and sends Peter out into ministry in the world. And I wonder if taking care of sheep, if taking care of people involves listening to people. What if listening is a component of love and a form of ministry? Theologian and minister Dietrich Bonhoeffer he wrote a book called Life Together, which explores the best practices of Christian community. Bonhoeffer sees listening as ministry. Christians have forgotten that the ministry of listening has been committed to them by him who is himself the great listener and whose work they should share. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. We listen with the ears of God. How many of you have heard the phrase, as the church, we are the hands and feet of Jesus? Have you heard that? Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that we are the ears of Jesus. Hmm. What would happen if we listened with the ears of Jesus? What if we listened without 
an agenda of trying to fix a problem? What if we listened to the stories, to the hearts of others? And then spoke words that reminded these other people that they are the beloved children of God, that God is well pleased with them. Friends, this Wednesday, we observe Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of Lent. And on this day, we admit our mortality, we confess our sins, and we ask for forgiveness. We reflect on the way that Jesus gave himself up for us. And for some people during Lent, they give up a worldly pleasure in order to connect with Jesus' sacrifice for us. This giving up is a way for us to maybe rely more upon God. For some people during the season of Lent, they take on an additional spiritual practice in order to connect with God in a new way. This is just a, a thought. What would it look like if during the season of Lent, we gave up our judgments? We gave up our need to rush, to fix things, to solve a problem. We gave up our need to speak first. And instead we took on the practice of listening. Next Sunday, we start a new sermon series called Cross-Centered Community. And we invite you to join in a season, a 40-day season of being present in community with God, with family, friends, and with people here at First Church. To be in community, whether that's here at the church or with your family or friends, it requires listening. Listening to God, and listening to other people. Friends, during this 40-day season of Lent, I encourage you, listen for God. Listen to love. Listen to understand. Listen is your opportunity to minister. Let us pray this prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make us an instrument where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that we may know, may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, and it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.